Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome movie lovers. We may not be crazy. We may not be rich, but we are definitely Asian. We're talking all about crazy rich Asians. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Anatomy of a Movie. We dissect movies on Popcorn Talk Network. I'm your host, Marissa Serafini. Joining me, it's not Phil, it's not Dimitri, but <laughs> we have some awesome guests with us. Introduce yourselves. Hey guys, it's your boy Nino, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Nino Lanera, thank yes. you for joining, and we also have... And I'm Rick Hong, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And I want to say this may be the first time in the history, as diverse as the studio's, studio is... This might be the first time it's like an all-Asian panel. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's very rare to have an all-Asian panel. So, obviously, Asian represent. Go us. Yes, let's go. You don't need Valor Dimitri. We miss you guys. <laughs> we're kidding, of course. But, yeah, we're, we are discussing Kevin Kwan's adaptation. Crazy Rich Asians, if you guys haven't seen this film, which obviously you mm-hmm. have, um, if you're listening to us, spoiler heavy for this discussion. We're going right. to talk about the book, the movie adaptation, and all of it. We're going to get right into it. So, quick thoughts. Nino, let's start with you. What were your thoughts of this movie? Quick thoughts. It was a rom-com that was set contemporary style, and I think it was amazing because it was so great to see, obviously, Asian mm-hmm. representation, not in a kung fu type film. You know, not an action type film, but something totally different, which almost kind of seemed color line like blind. Blind, you know what I mean? When when you're right. watching it, you forget that they're Asians on the screen because the story is so good. I thought so too. It works out so well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with what he's saying. It's it's nice to see a movie that just kind of shows, like, yeah, Asian representation in the light of like a romantic comedy. But there's no folly. There's no there's no folly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's right. There's no chop sake. Like some of us have to be a martial arts star. It's just like, hey, we're normal people. You know, just like anybody else. And you know, it's like it's celebrated around food. Mm-hmm. You know, and family. Just like uh, just like everybody else. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Almost yeah. normal, minus the multi-million dollar aspect, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Like, I found this movie actually very relatable and just yeah. in how the mentality of a lot of different things. And I thought it was really fun. I'm a big rom-com fan. I mean, I watch Hallmark every single day of my life. That's so I'm a, right, big, <laughs> I'm a big romantic fan. So to watch this film, I really, really enjoyed it. And it was very en- enriching, quote-unquote, mm. and refreshing. And definitely something that we need in today's society of Asian representation, but also just a good romantic movie. Right. We haven't had a strong 
booth of film like in the theaters in it's a just, really long time. It's been a couple time. of years. This is the first one that de- first rom com that debuted at number one in quite a couple of years. I think it's been like uh, three or four years. They said. So yeah, that's, I believe it. That's pretty amazing in itself, right there. So you just know right there that the story's good already. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and also that this is one of the first all Asian cast yes. film since Joy Luck Club, which was as of today's date, twenty five years ago. Oh, as of today, really? Yeah, wow. as of twenty five years well, ago, since chills. the last time we've had. <laughs> I just got chills right a now. Full, full cast Asian. Um, That's movie. amazing. And so, like, and you just, when you know that fact, you're just like wondering what the heck is wrong with Hollywood? Yeah. That because we only Asians are represented 6% in Hollywood. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little sad to say, but even I have friends that are in the industry on the development side. And I mean, even then, it's, you know, it's a story of like, one person was like saying how the a white executive was like, I, I don't get it. What's what's the big deal about this movie? Or someone else saying, right, like a lot of that. I mean, it was, we'll talk about too, like, they wanted to be like, okay, well, we could make this Asian film, but let's have like maybe Rachel be white. Yeah, no, no, you it's know, not going to work like that. Right. It's not going to fly. And that's 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 the whole stigma that's around the situation that Asian Americans or Asians in general cannot carry a film to success. But the point is, the thing is, we're never given the chance. So yeah. if we're not given the chance, how are we able to prove that we can? This is why this film was so important, right? Absolutely. And why we needed it to happen because we need to show them that. We can carry it to a box office hit, a number one hit. It's possible. Oh, it's definitely possible mm-hmm. because, you know, when you go over to Asia, you have full Asian cast members right. that can carry a full movie. So it's also just different representation in different countries. In Hollywood, in mm-hmm. United States of America, it's hard to have opportunities that represent Asians well. Right. Um, so it's definitely different for different um Demographics, but I think this movie, and we're definitely going to cover it as much as we can. But I think it's a great representation for Asians right now, and it, mm-hmm. it can open so many doors and opportunities for future films or television right. shows after the success that is this film. Right, and we talked about it earlier off camera that I feel like television, and we'll talk, get into it. I'm sure television is definitely much more progressive mm-hmm. on the divi- diversity and casting, you know, side versus film. And we've seen the success of some Asian leads in front of the camera on the small screen. So hopefully that translates over more to the big screen, especially with the success of this film. Yeah. And it's definitely been successful with, and it, it had a different, we're going to backtrack a little bit, mm. or actually in the, our normal rundown of anatomy of a movie for all you general fans, uh, we usually talk box office and marketing and promotion later on in our discussion, but this movie had a different type of promotions where they opened up a bunch of theaters for private screenings early, like mm-hmm. months before right. it even premiered, which is not typical for yeah. at yeah. Hollywood. And I believe you guys had some private screenings. I went to a private screening for this, um, but what was your, you know, I, I know you had a personal experience. Can you talk a yeah. little bit more about so that? The private, so the private screening that I saw was like two, three weeks uh, before the film actually uh, was uh, set to open worldwide or, um, you know, the United States. And uh, it was led by, uh, it was hosted by like Asian American social media um, stars uh, that WB connected with. And said, hey, you know what? We feel like your audience would love to see this film. Throw this out on your uh, social media and see what happens. And uh, basically, those tickets sold out quick once, you know, uh, once that got (laughs) word of it. 
uh, and uh, we got to see the pri- private screening, and it was a whole bunch of Asian Americans within the theater watching this film, and it just felt so special because no one knew anything about the film. The all the uh, all the little um, Easter eggs that were there, like with Kina Granis and yeah. you know Harry Sh- Shum at the end, like and just people just that that you recognize, or for the Filipino Americans, Chris Aquino being there as Princess mm-hmm. Eton, like just seeing that reaction and being there was so special, and seeing like the crowd. Who, who barely knew anything about the film, just react to it, was amazing in a private screening. It was it was so great, you know? And I was able to throw a screening later on, but it was when the movie released, and the whole Gold Open movement. Yeah. You know, that, that, was, that was huge, where people were buying out theaters to make sure that this hits, number one, at the box office. You know, whether they buy out theaters like I did and then resell the tickets to their family and friends, because a lot of my friends and family wanted to see it at the same time. I was like, mm-hmm. well, why can't we just see it all together? And it made it happen like that. And this happened all throughout the United States. Over 100 theaters were bought for this to happen. And that just goes to show you, we could, you know, yes, 6% of us are in the box, uh, make up the box office numbers as far as like going to see movies. Normally. Uh, normally, normally, right. But that's because sometimes we just don't have films that are in, that interest us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when we do, we can show out in numbers. Oh, yeah. It's proven now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And Rick, I know you went to the actual Crazy Rich Asians premiere in Hollywood. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. That was a special, believe me, it was, it was a special treat. It was a very uh, euphoric experience for me because I just really wanted to be in the energy of it all and I was there and the carpet right was not only just the cast and not only that the they took the time to talk to like a many as many outlets as possible, but I mean, yeah, they had other actors there supporting. I mean, like Ming-Na Wen, who is in Joy Love Luck Club. Her. And I don't think she even aged. Honestly. No, she, <laughs> like, she hasn't aged. So, yeah, she's on the carpet. I mean, Stephen Yoon from The Walking Dead's there. Daniel Day Kim is there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even, like, my friends that are uh, Asian, like, talent agents, in the background, they were, the, they were of course, that they were there. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, was, it, was, it was completely just, yeah, it was like a euphoric, for me, it was like a euphoric thing just to, just to be there because it's like, you're there with, like with when everything is actually going on. I mean, when I got inside the theater, I I was like I was like, oh wow, I could watch this movie now. And I walked by the Shibu, Shibutani. Uh, oh yeah, Shibutani, the, the, yeah, the Olympics. The, yeah, the, the ice Olympians. dancers. They're there. They were you amazing. Know? So you guys don't know who they are. yeah, I mean, so it, it was it was fantastic. I mean, you know, it's, at the same time, it's like. The energy is already so high, so mm-hmm. it's 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 a little bit of a different experience when you go feeling. in <laughs> when you go in with like a normal crowd, yeah. you know. Because like when I, I did that later on, mm-hmm. and here when the laughs came and everything else, I was like, okay, good. Because like every time like a, a new Asian person came on the screen at the at the pre, at the premiere, of course people are cheering. Mm-hmm. But when you're in like a movie theater with normal people, then like you're know, hearing the laughs and everything, mm-hmm. and so it was it was yeah fantastic. I mean, yeah. just like I said, a special privilege to have gone. And it felt the same watching a private private screening to watching it with the general public later on. People were still laughing. So I was like, that made me feel so much better. Like, am I just laughing at this because I know who these people are? Right. Or is this movie really funny? I didn't want to be biased. Or because it's some sort of inside Asian joke, right, maybe. Exactly. Right. You know, because we kind of know what's going on. Exactly. But do, do other people know what's funny about it? But when you see other people who are, you know, who aren't Asian or Asian American or just, you know, just here to see a movie and you see their reaction, you're like, this is su- this is a great movie. If they could laugh at it, they 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 could come in here and just see it as just a movie. Like mm-hmm. th- that just goes to show you that that the movie was written really really well, you know, or was adapted really well from the book. Absolutely, and I I love hearing your 
your guys' story about um, your experience when you first watched the film. I first watched it at WB Private Screening for media because we did interview Selena Tan, so go check yeah, out our awesome. anatomy of a movie interview with Selena Tan, who played the uh, aunt, auntie in here. <laughs> aunt Alex <laughs> in this film. She was great. Um, but my first screening of it was with media. Um, and so it, it was more critical, and not a lot of people were laughing. But oh. I did see it a second time with your general Caucasian oh. majority audience, and so many people were laughing. So I think that's the testament to just the film itself, yes. that the jokes are universal, and we can all, all-encompassing of all races, can actually enjoy this film. Not just Asians, but everybody. everybody. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so let's get a little bit into the development. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, it's from Kevin Kwan's trilogy book, Crazy Rich Asians, and then <laughs> Rich Crazy Asians, and like afterwards. Um, this is just the first one, but there was over a million copies sold. Um, big in Singapore, Hong Kong, never, and it's also been on New York Times list, and um, it's been on the list for for you. Years, okay. yeah, for for a long time, and this film was actually they first had a deal with Netflix, yes, and they turned it down because they thought it'd be a better opportunity to actually have it in the theaters. What are your thoughts of this? This was big money too. Like this was Buku money that John M. Chu and everyone behind this film were offered, um, and they all I think felt collectively, and especially John M. Chu that this needed to be in the theaters because it was that special. And it was going to be more impactful. Yes, it's less money uh, up front, but it was going to be way more impactful to uh, diversity and casting in Hollywood. So I'm so happy they made that decision. And I think it would still be impactful on Netflix, but not as impactful as it would be on the screen. I mean, the truth is, is that I cover Netflix picks here at AfterBuzz TV. I've watched all of their film releases and unfortunately, their television is really good. Their film releases are not so good. So it and like you know, and keep in mind like that only goes to people that are subscribers of Netflix, which there are a lot, and that's why they're a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it's still it's still not going to connect to the audiences. I mean, even if we're talking about say old like like our parents, or our grandparents, mm-hmm. they're probably not really going to be have access to the Netflix. You know, as opposed to limited, be, right? Yeah, yes. going Very. to the theater and really like showing the like a bigger audience like what our story is Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely great move that they didn't do that right yeah and i've talked about on previous anatomies or movies that could have been on netflix Mm -hmm. and had a netflix release compared to a worldwide release such as this one that i feel like netflix has so many options that you can choose from and this would just get lost in their aggregation of content whereas When you have a weekend release of this film, you have maybe 12 options. So this is one out of, on average, 12 movies you can see. Mm-hmm. Compared to if you have it in Netflix, it's one of 1,000 movies. Right. So it's easier to get lost in Netflix, and it's a better chance of people seeing it in the theaters. You can't keep track of eyeballs either. No. You know, you, I mean, if or I said, numbers, too. Right. Like, you know, like for you, you know, if you... If you're renting out or buying out a theater mm-hmm. versus like, okay, I'm gonna have a screening at my house, and you invite like 50 of your friends and like you play it once, right. you don't know how many eyeballs are actually exactly. watching that screen versus at a theater, at least you can count the tickets. And you think about it, would it get that much press and media if it were on Netflix versus in the theaters? Right. It would be so much more different. Their marketing would be way different. The, the, the whole approach would just, would be almost. Not say lack thereof, but it would mm-hmm. definitely be less than a quarter of what you know the marketing that they did now, which is genius. You know, so it's it's brilliant. I'm glad that they decided yes. to go against Netflix because 
then we probably wouldn't be talking about it right now. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, actually, Kevin Kwan, the the author, he actually uh, had the the he optioned the book um, for one dollar just to see like who would you know fish uh-huh. and, and bite it, and a lot of people did, including Steven Spielberg at oh. one, one, one point, which I I mean. Hello. <laughs> He's huge. But, uh, or not, sorry, not Steven Spielberg. Whoops, it's Stephen King. Oh. Well, see, well, see, also. So what, basically what Stephen King does is that he options all of his stuff for a dollar. But with those options, that he gives him like a really short window. And then he and then he has he gives him a really short window, and that's why he does a dollar, so that mm-hmm. it turns over very quickly, so that he gets his property back. Versus like saying, "Give me ten thousand dollars," and then there's like a four year window where they can sit there and try to figure it out in development. His whole idea is it's that like, just give me my property back. Versus, and I mean, I don't know what the strategy was on this one, but that's why it's usually like, like, but that's why he said, like, I'll give a dollar just to see who's really passionate, who's about interested, it, and yeah. see how much they're gonna push to get this thing made right. for the right way. And within that time frame, mm-hmm. that's not four years of development. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, my question to you two, have you both either read the book of Crazy Rich Asians? I am embarrassed no. to say <laughs> that I have not. But no, but after watching the movie, like, I have it. It's coming to me. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm very looking forward to reading it. So I have it, but I talked to you about it. Yes. And you were talking about the writing, <laughs> yes. which kind of, um, you know, the movie just flowed so well. And with me, when I'm reading books... I, I need it to flow well as well too to keep in line with the story, right? Absolutely. Um, so when you when you kind of showed me excerpts of the book and just the descript, description and everything that was going on with it, I was like, I don't know, <laughs> that's something I would you know, I would necessarily uh, want to read full on, but I think I still want to try nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. So I I do have the book right in front of me, Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. and admittedly I'd never finished it because I liked the movie so much that generally I'm worried what the book is because. Mm-hmm. Majority of the time, you're always like, the book is so much better. Right. But in my personal opinion, I enjoy the movie better than reading this book. This is just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I had a difficult time reading it. And see, I didn't read the book, but I'm, I'm also just thinking about like the visuals. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's always that unfortunate mm-hmm. joke of like, oh, Asian guys are like, yeah, hey, whatever. But like in a lot of this, it's like, yeah, a lot of the guys are shirtless, they're all ripped, mm-hmm. which is great. You say like, yeah, it's just like we're like anybody, we're like any other guy. Like the Asian bachelor. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, but also, you know, a key element to this, and I don't know if it's in the book or not, the food. Food. The food. I mean, this. you can describe the food. You can talk about creating the food, but showing visually, it's showing be the food. I was getting hungrier <laughs> and and I hadn't eaten all day. Same. So yeah. you know, it's like I mean, that's like a big piece of it too. Is that like you know that's a, that's a part of like a lot of cultures, right. but like this stuff, like the stuff that they were showing on screen, very much how we relate to you know just like creating you know the the pot stickers. And right. I went to sixty six market night after I watched a screening. I was just like, this just feels like the, you know, like close to the opener of the movie. I believe it. You know, it's actually funny, not to completely digress, but it is relevant. Uh, Phil and I went to go see the screening, and then immediately after, we went to a Chinese restaurant. I'm like, I'm so hungry. And then the second time I went to go see this, I was eating dumplings throughout. I was like, I'm so Asian watching this film. (laughs) Even even Michelle Yeoh, I think, on Hoda and Kathy, like she said, like, go, don't go hungry. She's like, eat, then go. And I think she knows that people just start getting hungry, you know, watching it. So. But that's also like the, this movie does such a great job of representing yeah, our culture just the and Asian everything. culture and the environment you're in. Uh, I mentioned earlier why I had a difficult time reading this book is that I liked the film and the characters so much and what they visually portrayed mm-hmm. and just human beings. Reading them in the book, 
they you can you get actually get a lot more internal dialogue of what each person thought of each other mm-hmm. and what they were wearing and their luxurious lifestyle. I personally don't relate to like the fashion. I am not a fashion major, um, so there was a lot of there's a chapter about Hermes bags. I'm like just mentally I was checking out. Oh, I see. Um, so the book goes like really excruciating details of just the luxurious and lavish lifestyles that they had. I was like, okay, I understand they're definitely rich, but it, it was to the point where they'd walk down this pearl hallway and it cost X amount of dollars wearing this type of clothing that cost X amount of dollars. And I'm like, okay, I understand. But it was so repetitive. It's like, I understand they have a rich lifestyle. Um, it, it was more so about... I had a hard time connecting and relating to a lot of things that were happening in the book. So that's why me personally had a hard time getting through it. Well, it also show you how, how uh, in-depth and visual they are in that book to show what we obviously saw on screen. Mm-hmm. They definitely, if, if that's the case, hit it <laughs> like on the mark with how they were describing everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the characters in the movie tend to, tended to be way more likable than I read that reads across on, in, you know, Mm. on paper okay. in a book. Um, so in the movie, they did a good job of showing like who's likable, who's dislikable. And in the book, I personally feel a lot of people were dislikable, and I had to follow them throughout the whole book. <laughs> so what you're saying is you like, you like the casting. I like the casting way more better in the film. Or like I think they were represented better or had better storylines. Um, and granted, they changed uh, some certain things, but right. I feel the movie did a better job of representing different characters. Um, which like let's get into some of the the storylines mm-hmm. of of the movie. So obviously we have the whole parental approval um, between Rachel Chu's character and 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 Nick Young, and we obviously have the mother played by the brilliant Michelle Yeoh, Amazing. Um, who played Eleanor Young as the mother of of Nick Young, disapproving of this relationship because she is Asian American compared to. Asian, as you know, Chinese, mm. Chinese, mm-hmm. um, American. So, what are your thoughts of us being the mostly Asian American, but that just the mentality of the difference between Asian American compared to Chinese, Chinese? No, I mean that, that's, but it, it holds true. You know, mm-hmm. it de- it definitely holds true of you know like culture and values. And the interesting thing about Rachel is that she does speak, which is key. Yeah, because that's sometimes like not not people that are raised here can speak. They're like like I'm conversational Korean, but I'm not like fluent Korean, so I can get around, but like I can't like hold like really long deep conversations. Mm-hmm. So um, so like that definitely rank like 100 percent rings true in terms of just kind of being true to your heritage. Right, and I think that actually was a big when I was talking to people after watching the film or during the screening that I saw. That hit really close to home for a lot of people uh, because, you know, it's, it's trying to balance that identity, especially being Asian American, right, or living here in the U.S., trying to balance that identity by keeping your identity and culture and um, under, understanding that you it's important to know where you came from and, and kind of continue the culture that your, your parents have um, showed you or you grew up with or whatnot, but also balancing being 
Asian in America as well too. Right. It's it's such a tough toss up sometimes for us, and some people don't realize that or whatnot. And you know, you you try to you try to balance both when you're here, but when you're say like for me, if I'm in the Philippines or whatnot, like oh no, he's you know he's Filipino American, he's he's American because he was raised there. Right. But I know everything about my culture and the food and the the family that you know the family relevance everything. But it's still different to people when you go out to Asia. So seeing that in the film represented, I'm like that is so spot on and mm-hmm. so real. And I don't think a lot of people know that to so to have that story in there and to really showcase like what some people really have to go through uh, you know it, it seems just like a regular story but it's true life yeah. yeah i was more surprised at the in race discrimination against oh, yeah. against each other cuz i i honestly i wasn't expecting it and i didn't realize how big of an issue that that might actually be because i am asian american but i was raised in the american culture mm-hmm. so i i didn't realize that was a an ongoing issue hmm. um so Still but there. were you surprised with that or did you, because it took me by surprise but i don't know how it was for you i don't think i was surprised at all because i've, I've experienced it when i went back to the philippines they you know they, they say oh you're like bayan meaning like you're from or easier term is you're from the states and we know you're from the states as we can kind of tell mm-hmm. uh I understand a couple of different dialects, but I, I'm just like you. I'm conversational. I can't. I can't. It can't be too deep into it. So they'll obviously know, and they auto- automatically think like, "Oh, he doesn't know." Like, do you eat rice? Do you do you just eat cheeseburgers and pizza? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, we, we're surrounded by that here in 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 California and LA. But they automatically think we're just American. We don't know anything about the culture. So I, it didn't much surprise me because I've I felt it before when I've been back to the Philippines. So. You know, it's something that I've lived true life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it can even happen here. Like, I was on a carpet and I was talking to a girl who's like tr- probably more traditional Korean than I am. Mm-hmm. And I was like speaking in Korean and she was like saying, it's like, oh, yeah, your pronunciation's bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm just kind of like, hey, it's, it's, you know, coming from someone that's here in the States saying that to me, which is, which I don't argue. It is. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not a right. great pronunciation, but at least I'm like, hey, at least I speak. Yeah. Versus don't speak at all. Right. Which does happen too. Yeah, but I do like that that they touched upon the in race discrimination because it that is also a universal theme mm-hmm. where these people that this family and this lifestyle that Rachel Chu just kinda had to dive into, it was it was a culture shock for her. And I think they did a great job of representing of what other people thought right. of each other and, and of her and the the immediate like disapproval. Of, of her in her lifestyle. Right, because you would think she's almost like the model girlfriend you want to bring home. She's an economics professor at NYU who graduated in America, the top she's of her a class. Catch. She's like, catch. Right. Yeah. In exactly. America, she's a catch. Yeah, in, exactly. in Asia, apparently, she's nope. Right. And I'm like, well, what else more do you want? <laughs> exactly. I mean, plus, like, what I liked about it, too, is like, I thought that it added another layer in the story just versus like, oh, well, we're rich and you're average right mm-hmm. you know that 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 kind of theme is in a lot of movies mm-hmm. so to add that extra layer of like well yeah you're chinese but you're not chinese chinese right. mm-hmm. you know like so that just added another layer of like why eleanor York, eleanor young does not like rachel true or why she doesn't approve mm-hmm. of her even though she right mm-hmm. is a catch here at being an economics professor smart educated mm-hmm. self-made so but it also plays to the tiger mom mentality Mm-hmm. That's very strong, still and evident here, even here in the U.S. So that you know that, and and just seeing how Tiger Mom she was <laughs> was intense yeah. on screen. She plays it very well. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was interesting to watch it pass through different generations because we also had the the grandmother mm-hmm. disapproving of, of Rachel after like 
at first, actually, in the film, she approved of Rachel. But right. then when she realized Rachel's past and her background, she disapproved. And that's, a, that's an Asian thing, though, too. That's an Asian thing where it's, like, you can you can kind of be fine on, like, who you are. But, right, but the past, your history, your family history, mm-hmm. if it doesn't match up, then, right, there are families or that don't agree with that. Right. It's no different than in, like, the Korean culture. I mean, if I was dating a girl that's Korean but she was adopted Korean, it wouldn't be as well accepted mm-hmm. because we don't know what her... I mean, although she's Korean, it's great that she's Korean, right. but we don't know what her family history is. Yeah. You know, so... Right. And to find out, like, right, in this situation where you have the tra- traditional, real traditional grandmother, and, yeah, she comes from this, like, scandalous background, it, although she's Chinese, although she's respectful, although her grandson loves this woman, and she speaks, mm-hmm. and she knows the culture... And wants to be more involved with like learning more about her culture. The grandma's still like no. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. and Eleanor went through it with her, you know. So th- th- that just goes to show you how much it crossed over throughout the years. But this is also also could be universal because there's families like that here who are American, who uh, maybe not to the same extent or whatnot, but they want to keep their what, what's happening within their family controlled and very polished and uh, no scandals here, no scandals there. It's almost very political. Yeah, in a yeah. sense, you know what I mean. And, and it's political slash royalty. Yeah, the, there you the, go. It was yeah. that type of luxurious lifestyle. If you're going to marry into this type of family, mm-hmm. you have to make sure that you also have a clean background. Right. We can't be tied to scandal. And that was Rachel's. And if you think about it just in like perspective of it, yes, her mother, quote unquote, had an affair and left. In, well, in the book, the mother actually had an affair. And they said um, that too, yeah. And, and left. But it, it is like you could say a scandalous story is like that it's not the most ideal type of relationship and family background but in america that's actually not too too bad of what happened but it's bad enough that you can't be like mm-hmm. no you can't be a part of this family right and i i found that interesting um but it just shows that they they keep their money and their traditions so close to the chest mm-hmm. in, in this movie and that actually translates from the book too um, so I, I think they did a great job about that. What were your thoughts of Ele- Eleanor Young and just the character of this maternal mother, strong in her values and traditions, the the slow progression of her character from being disapproving to eventually approving of, of Rachel? What, what do you think of Michelle Yeoh's um, performance and just the character arc in it? Yeah. I think her performance is great. I mean, uh, honestly, I think her character is really really good to the you know it, it almost gave a because she approved later on it kind of gives faith to people who might be going through that a certain situation that you know things to come to come to light if you really fight obviously for what you want you know people love that type of story you know you fight for something really hard and you get it at the end you know you feel like you might give up but there's still a happy ending at the mm-hmm. end and i think just her character i just the way she played you know being reserved and making sure that she is she's almost next to be the matriarch because the grandmother's still there but she because of her past and what she dealt with with her grandmother she doesn't or her her mother-in-law she doesn't want that to happen uh she doesn't want anything bad that she could still control uh to happen while she's alive or while she's there because she wants to get that approval still she's fighting for this approval so it's not even you know just that i need to control nick's life but it's it's I want to control my image in front of my mother-in-law, who never approved of me before. Yeah. So the arcs and the different layers of the situation are 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 definitely you know come to play very very well and gives her character uh, much more depth than it is just being a tiger mom with no with no reason to be a tiger mom. Yeah, and she's you know? she's she's brilliant in everything. Right. I mean, this is great is. casting in terms of 
you know, her like just for this for this character, and I really enjoyed. We get watching her, and and again, like, I, like that was, that's a thing. Like her character also, it could have been a one note character, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of layers there, mm-hmm. and that's what I appreciated about this character, about her performance too, is that I I really went in with this movie like only knowing like okay, it's it's rich, crazy rich, <laughs> it's got like mm-hmm. nothing else, not really the story dynamics or anything. So to see her different layers of you know uh, giving the whole storyline about well you know in america you know you you can be self-made you can have your own ambition but here in you know in asia it's about you know family right family comes first and making the sacrifice for your family so like hearing that that was like great right yeah and i think it was great to see i mean michelle yo she's obviously badass because legend. <laughs> legend legend um you know i've seen her crouching tiger hidden dragon like mm-hmm. you don't mess with her um so i think she's just a very strong actress in that way but also the character of eleanor young was way more fleshed out in the movie than in the book because mm. they make eleanor in the film way more of the the main antagonist the, mm-hmm. the the obstacle that rachel has to get through um whereas in the book it's really the grandmother who is the the strong disapproving one and we don't actually meet eleanor young till like 300 and something pages into the book right. and it's a 520 oh, so wow. like the, the, mo- the mother character through. yeah the mother character isn't as big in the book it's like yeah she's there she's relevant but they definitely made eleanor young the main antagonist and i actually don't mind that because it's way more believable to believe that like you have to get through a parent right um approval to date their son and i think that adapts much much better you're right because i feel like people would draw to that a lot more than having to get the approval of the grandmother Mm -hmm. it just seems more like you said realistic in a sense that yeah i have to make sure that you know my in-laws are future in-laws are you know are approved approved of me, me being there, and I think that's a storyline that's been out there already too. So people are used to it. So you don't want to go something too far off because this movie already is an all Asian cast, and people are like, "Am I going to understand it?" <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to make sure like Goodness. this story is being told clearly. And so I think that was a good move on them. Yeah, I think it's very smart. Yeah, um, and that another universal thing, like getting through the the in laws. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts of Henry Golden, who played Nick Golding, who played Nick Young, the Asian bachelor? <laughs> For me, it's really, really interesting because when he was cast, I was, I was, I was disappointed um, because he's not one hundred percent Asian. You know, he's got, he's like, you know, there's like some British blood that goes through him so he's a, he's a little white and i looked at it a little bit as oh you guys could have done the full-blown asian thing versus eurasian mm. however once he got on screen once he started acting doing everything it's it's almost like i don't know what goes through john choose mine as the director but i believed that he was nick young the character and every little like you know notion of like well he's still a little white it completely disappeared Mm-hmm. So I really, really like thought his casting was like amazing in this. As much as like going in, I was like, let's see how good this guy really is. Or oh, Hollywood's just whitewashing just a little bit. So you right. you had your reservations, mm-hmm. okay? I could totally see where you had your reservations and why. You know, because when you look at somebody like Henry Golding, and you know him not not being a not being full Asian and he and being a leading man, you always kind of tend to think back at you know they were scared to cast somebody who just completely looked Asian or 100% Asian because they're once again still scared to have the film 
you know, uh, be carried by somebody like that or whatnot. But then I thought about it because I looked up his story. He he came from a non-acting background. He, he was a host. Mm-hmm. He was like yeah. us. You know what I mean? He was like a travel host. He was a host on BBC. So He did commercials. Yeah, he did commercials or whatnot. So then knowing that John M. Chu really, really pushed for him because he didn't even want to be in this film, you know, uh, for, if you watch mm-hmm. some of the interviews, he... He was pushed by John, John M. Chu, and he was, and I think we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Yeah. You know, he was found through a friend, right? Yeah. Um, but self-tape. <laughs> so self-tape. But John M. Chu go. said, this is the Nick Young that I want. It just, it, so you know John M. Chu was doing something right when he visualized and saw it. And when, obviously, when we saw it on screen, he just played that charismatic guy that it's, you know, played out to be in the book. It just seemed like it's t- to such a T. And he's so natural. He's so good for this being his really first big film. You know, I, I think I wouldn't even have known that he was an actor beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So I thought he did yeah, very that's what well. I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, like, it, sh- it shows right, like the dedication. It yeah. shows the the writing, and it shows good directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm more in lines with you, Rick, where you said that you had your reservations of him being Eurasian. When I first watched the movie, and granted it was before I read the book, um, I had my reservations too. I was like, he sounds more British than. Asian, I guess you can say. And it actually bothered me as a, like a character type mm-hmm. of um, device. But then reading the book, realizing that these children, because they were so rich, they were sent to boarding school, to yeah. boarding <laughs> right. school right. in England, so they would naturally have a, an English accent. I was like, okay, that, that actually is a character trait, so it didn't bother me as much the second time right. going around. But knowing Henry's actual personal background, he grew up in England, like he has, he is relatable to just the character of mm-hmm. Nick Young. So he himself can, um, you know, really gravitate to what the character of Nick Young, being Asian, being in the also England, um, you know, culture as well as the mm-hmm. Singaporean culture. And I think it's great that he, as an actor, mm-hmm. now he we can say he's an actor. Like he yeah, related he, to, yeah, he already got another role. Yeah, already, he yeah. related to his own character, and I think that actually translates well. Because you can right. tell. You can Definitely. actually tell. And I think good job on him because I would not have known that. And I mean, yeah. I like, and I do like the fact that they went with an unknown. Like a very, very, right. very Fair. unknown. I mean, on that end of it, I, I thought it was great. That's huge. Especially to come and be back, like we said, the first 25 year, in 25 years, the first Asian all-cast to be backed by uh, Warner Brothers or, or such a big studio to, to bring an unknown like that is is. It's, it's almost risky. like yeah, it's, it's very, risky. very yeah. risky. Yes, yeah. he. So John M. Chu must have felt some type of way and said, "This, this has to be him. This is Nick." I mean, and and it played out so well. So, and I mean, good for him because that that is a talent in and of itself. Finding true talent, right? And casting just correctly is hard in itself already too. So yeah, for them to be so successful. Uh, I want to know your thoughts of uh, some of the other characters as well. Um, Aquafina. I love her. Play, <laughs> play your thoughts. <laughs> I've been listening to Aquafina for like six, seven years now. Really? I've been following her ever since. Um, she used to have this uh, YouTube channel where she had a small talk show called Talk with Aquafina. T-A-W-K. <laughs> uh, and it was like in New York in a little bodega. She would travel around in little bodegas and she would interview like internet stars or like social media stars. And that was like how her career really started was on YouTube. And then she had her uh, hit single, My Vag, <laughs> which, which plays everywhere on YouTube. Um, but she, her character, to me, it was almost, that's just how she is. When you would just watch her on YouTube or just watch her in, in general outside of the screen aspect or whatnot. This is kind of like her New York kind of like, you know, I'm from Queens type of situation. 
but she plays it so well and her comedic timing is spot on gold i think perfect yeah yeah <laughs> it's interesting to talk about aquafina because i enjoyed i enjoyed her in it she was mm-hmm. hilarious and but then I, I heard that there was like maybe a little bit of backlash that she played like in a different movie she would be like the black friend sounding board type I comedic. Saw this. Someone, someone said, like, I, I didn't read this, I didn't know this, and I didn't even feel that way. I just thought she was hilarious, and that was it. But then someone else brought that up to me, and I was, and I still, like, up, even upon second viewing, I'm still like, no. So I just like. I looked into this. It was, uh, this was brought up by uh, Neck Shark. Um, and uh, there was a couple, uh, somebody pulled, said that and pulled out a thread or whatnot about it and said how she's, uh, her whole career is based on cult- cultural appropriation. Uh, you know, to to the black community um, and, w- and what she does and just who she is. And um, people forget she grew up around a culture that was a lot more urban. She was from New York. She's from Queens. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is how she grew up. This is you know this is all she knows in a sense. You know what I mean? And people came to back her up crazy after this thread came through. And uh, you know people Great. were saying, amazing. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys don't, you guys don't understand. Like if this wasn't if she wasn't a movie role, this would just be her in in regular life in general. You know, and and who's to say Asians. Uh, why are all, yeah, that. or why are Asians all just a certain way? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like busted up in a in, in a cardigan with with their books in their hands, and that that's stereotyping right there. See, yeah. that's me. Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, you listen to R and B. I know you have. Yeah, I know. Like, I do, I do. Like, I and you watch basketball. Yeah, yeah, come yeah. on, I mean, you know, well, I, like I don't know that many girls. Yeah, exactly. Asian girls that watch basketball. So I mean, hey, there well, you go. We can't. We can't like just. We can't fit you know, into a box. Yeah, we can't yeah. fit into a box. So I mean, for somebody to say that like that like. Just really offended me in, in, in that sense. So I definitely like I read through that thread and like read through those articles. But at the end, yeah, people were just like you felt the same exact way you felt. Yeah, man, I, I just didn't yeah. see it at all. Yeah, I didn't see it at all either. And it, her character honestly got the most laughs out of everybody. She yes. got some of the best lines. A lot of them were improvised by Aquafina herself. So that's just a testament to who she is yeah. as a comedian, as an actress, um, and her personality because it also showed. In, and her character, uh, Pekleen, in the book is very much like that. So I think just her character alone was like the most consistent from the book yeah. to the movie. And that I didn't mind as well because she's the fun- she's funny, she's comedic, and right. you liked her. She's, she did steal every scene. Mm-hmm. So not once did her performance ever bother me. And even Aquafina said herself when she was filming, John, she was like, this couldn't actually make or break the movie, just the just the character portrayal. Right. Obviously, I think it made the movie. Oh, she was great. I couldn't stop laughing, especially when they were in her house with Ken Jeong and the whole family. Hysterical. Those scenes were the best. <laughs> Those are great. <laughs> yeah, Ken Jeong. Also, the great representation um, in this movie as well. Right. I think he has um, some of his lines and Aquafino's lines were actually a lot of imp- improvisation between the two. Yes, I think I saw a Build Series interview about that, and they they told us that John M. Chu. Just let them have it. <laughs> yeah, kind of work. Yeah, yeah kind of work. Yeah. Kind of work with each other and just kind of just do the scene and see how it went. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, because he's a comedian of himself Gold. and he's hysterical. I think he had one of the the funniest lines, in my opinion, was like, "There are starving kids in <laughs> America." Because <laughs> you're not really expecting so, a twist on that. So, so like I've known Ken since the start of his career, like before the start of his career. And the funny thing is, is that to, so like I follow him and. If you go on his social media, one of the hilarious things is somebody tweets and they say they were watching 
Crazy Rich Asians at and like there's a bunch of people from Cal State Fullerton uh-huh. and they said like the people in the movie theater just lost it when he was just like he's like you know he's pretending to be Asian you know he's like oh I don't speak English he's like nah I'm just kidding I'm oh, Cal State yeah, I mean, yeah it's like I was like laughing when I saw that tweet yeah, yeah. that was actually a really big uh, really big laugh in the theaters for every screening that I saw every uh, every time I saw it anytime that line came out it was just a huge laugh because I mean, we were here in California a lot of people right. went to school out here too so they get it <laughs> and I think that line definitely probably has bigger with the Californians compared to someone who's Ooh, actually right. in Asia. It's like, what's that? You yeah, know? exactly. Um, so it, again, it goes with just the writing and the comedy. It plays to a lot of different demographics and mm-hmm. a lot of different people. And I think that was just funny because we are in the Hollywood business right. and we know Ken Jeong's work. Like, <laughs> he's more mi- Asian than or like American Asian than anything. Right. Oh, absolutely, so, definitely. Um, it was just funny seeing that, but I think he great, uh, played a great part mm-hmm. as well. Um, and you know, some of the the other people like Selena Tan, obviously the the aunts who are involved, su- supportive throughout, generally, um, mm-hmm. generally yeah. supportive throughout. And also the, of course, we have the grandmother who was like top top matriarch, right. um, who kind of did give opposition but it was more obviously the mother instead but i think everybody like the and i don't want to call them like the b characters but they all play their part oh yeah to bring the movie all together i think every every character there had some sort of something that really kind of just encompassed the whole um the whole film as far as uh how people feel how families in Asia feel um, with new people coming into their family or whatnot. Right. You know what I mean? With the with the stare downs and the looks and the, I'm not sure if you're supposed to be here type situation. You know, even his cousins uh, throughout the movie, uh, like Ronnie Chang and all that other people. Yeah. Oh, you're from the Chu, uh, Chu Cup of Noodles? Or you, you're, you're not from you're, any you're of the textile, You're from the textile, right, textile shoes, shoes right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, you know, like, that's that was so real. And I think they all played different parts of that. So it's it's like, I'll catch you later. Right. I'll catch you later. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And everyone has a friend like Bernard. Our time, I'm like, right? oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we all have that one friend. We all have that one friend. <laughs> um, I think a character that I really actually enjoyed was Astrid, and oh, yeah. and Jim her Chan. character actually got a big story. And I mean, it does play in the book that her husband was cheating on mm-hmm. her, um, but not as fleshed out in this movie because it got an arc. It, right. um, and obviously, I think the the actress Gemma Chan did a great job portraying like innocence and like she is a person who didn't choose that lifestyle. She kind of had no choice. But and uh, I, I think she was the most emotionally grounded out of everybody. Yeah, because she would have to. I mean, she she grew up in that family. She grew up with money. She married somebody outside of the money, mm-hmm. right? Um, she's. I mean, having, he, he was like a, like a general, or a captain in the army. Right. So like that's exactly. not like, that's like just like a normal like you know like that's not like just like some blue collar guy. Right. I mean, that means like you know he really was a leader exactly on some end, and you know, he did something for his country. Definitely, but yeah. still, right? But in terms of status quo, like it's yeah, in terms of, still, yeah, right? it's still not. But yeah. it kind of put her. As, Somewhat outside of the family, too, because you can tell right. that there was a lot of disapproving looks towards her yeah. and her husband, which obviously caused a lot of resentment between them. Mm-hmm. But I think just the character of Astrid, like you liked her. She was supportive of, of Rachel yeah. and of the, um, the the woman who was getting uh, married and all that. So and I, I just she was a good through line who was pretty consistent. Yeah, she had film. a nice balance of strong and soft to her character, I think. Yeah. Which really worked well because obviously she's she's rich, right? So she has that really strong aspect, but it, deep down she's obviously hurting, and you know that gave more layers to it all or whatnot, and yeah. uh, to see what could happen maybe in the sequel with her. 
Yeah, that's right. Because we because we saw in mid credits mm. Harry Shum Jr. Hello, playing <laughs> like right a cameo. There, like, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing here? For those who haven't read the second or third, there's mm. actually a big storyline with his character. He plays Eddie Chang, mm-hmm. and apparently he gets together with Astrid, and they have a bigger storyline. Because mm-hmm. actually, in the book, there's a backstory between. Um, Astrid and Eddie had a past. They had right. a history. They used to date, but not anymore. But now, rekindling that old romance that we can potentially see in movie two and three. That's hey. right. And and also, you read their story more fleshed out uh-huh. in t- the book two and three. So I, I think that was a, a really good story to like wrap out her affair. Like, well, her husband's affair, just so she opens up another opportunity for her to have a better boyfriend. Right, there you go. <laughs> in her life. So let's get a little bit about the directing of John Chu and just um, his involvement with this. He he eventually, you know, he signed on hearing about this book actually from his family members. And uh, he thought it was, you know, coincidental that his last name was, same last name as Rachel Chu, the main <laughs> character. And uh, so what are your thoughts of his directing and taking on such a big projects such as this go first i mean he's he's already proven that he can i mean like so the interesting thing about john chu is he did he was attached to like a remake of bye bye birdie forever never never came to fruition but he did this short while the kids are away and it shows this it shows this like african-american family you know and like they're like they're dancing and doing all these sequences and you find out later the reveal is spoiler alert is that it's it's the jackson's <laughs> it's the Jacksons. If you can find what? it online, go watch it. It's amazing. I'm gonna have to do that. Now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So then he does, and then he yeah. Then he graduates to step up, yeah. and then like I was surprised because he took on something huge, and he said that was actually big for him in terms of learning. Was he p- took on GI Joe Retaliation? Yeah. And he said I had to cover 18 mm. characters, and he's like, and that was a lot to try to do, and so like it helped him understand like covering the characters for Crazy Rich Asians a lot better. Mm. So, I mean, John, I mean, and he, you know, he stayed loyal and true to what the book and the vision of Kevin Kwan. And, and as they all said on the carpet, this movie is bigger than all of us. Yeah, definitely. It's a movement. Yeah. It's a whole movement. With John M. Chu, I, I, I love his directing as far as uh, how it visually comes off on screen and uh, how, you know, how uh, his characters play off. I think he does a really, really good job. And this was definitely shot so beautifully, yeah. just the way it was. I mean, I was like, I'm... I'm gonna go visit, like, <laughs> and just mm-hmm. I, I want to stay at what is it the, is it the, the 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 bays or the Bay Hotel or wherever they were at the yeah. end or whatnot. Yeah, Marina Bay. Marina Bay Hotel. Yeah. It's it's so beautiful. Just 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 the country in general, and just to be able to see it through a lens like that. I think he did a really good job. I interviewed him a long long time ago, 2011, uh, right after he finished the the, the Bieber documentary. Believe, uh, oh, yeah. right? And I was just like, I was like, you're doing a documentary on this pop star. How's this going to be? I saw the documentary. I was like, wow, you turned something that could just have been a teeny bopper type of, you know, documentary to something that was so visually captivating, and you really saw who Justin Bieber was from when he was younger and how talented he was music wise to you know the pop star he is today, and just just to be able to do that and to see what he does he's done with Step Up and everything else or whatnot I as well too I love Step Up <laughs> right it's so good <laughs> like so yeah no I think he did an amazing beautiful job with this film and I like how he's, he's transitioned mm-hmm. I mean yeah he started off kind of being like that dance choreography director right. to and like music and then to just like to branch out and like yeah taking on G.I. Joe mm-hmm. and now this 
you know, that's just that's just a normal like story. Yeah. So and, and his career is just gonna keep on moving and moving and grooving, especially with this now. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's doing the sequel. Yeah, he's doing the sequel. He's gonna be doing the sequel. So. That says something. Yeah, it's great for John Cho, knowing where he started to what and taking on such project like this. He obviously has experience in telling a story um, with the documentary and covering an ensemble, which I felt like there was, this was type of an en- ensemble, ensemble type of film sure, yeah, because we have so many family members we have to follow in this yeah. movie. So he can take so many factors and deliver it well because not mm. once was I ever lost. No, in this yeah, movie. exactly. And you can easily get lost with so many characters on screen. Yeah, I, I, like I said earlier, I think it just flowed very, very well. And it was so easy to follow and it was just enjoyable. And no, I, I mean, there's a sequence in there too where you see that uh, Henry Golding and Chris Pang are on the island. Like they're, they're on the like, little like raft just oh, hanging yeah. out, drinking a beer, With the helicopter in the, back, in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then but then it cuts to it cuts to Rachel, you know, me, and yeah. yeah, and going back and forth, back and forth. Like I thought that was great, like mm-hmm. storytelling in terms of like kind of seeing both sides, where it could have maybe just stayed on one sequence for the whole time. Right. Instead, it's like going back and forth between the two stories of like where, like, why they may or may not work as a marriage. Right. Yeah, it played very well in the characters there. Uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, let's moving into a little bit of the production aspect of mm-hmm. this. Like, obviously, this was a eight week film shoot. Um, so, if you think about it, that's actually a pretty short, very short, turnaround. very, very short. <laughs> such a luxurious film right. on screen. Um, a lot of it was in. Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and obviously Singapore, yeah. because that's where the main story takes place. But a lot of different locations. Um, one, one location I, I found was interesting was the, the Gardens by the Bay. Oh, um, gorgeous location. <laughs> but they were actually celebrating, when they were filming, they were celebrating their five-year anniversary. <laughs> and every night they would have a light show. So during production, they would have all their 500-plus extra cast, yeah. have everything set up and all the lights in production ready to film, and then the light show would start. They would have to stop everything. Oh. And they would lose hours of oh, filming and production. Crazy. Like, literally, they would have the set, get ready to film, and they're like, nope, nah, shoot, we have a light show going on. So they they had to stop production. They couldn't stop that for just a little bit Yeah, every night for right? a week. So they, they lost a bunch of filming They're like, back to one, everybody, back I mean, to it's, one. It's, it's, it's <laughs> just even <laughs> it's just even, yeah, exactly. It's even just the energy of people getting ready to go and being like, mm-hmm. okay, wait, we got to stop for a second. Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah it's like up. the momentum. Well, especially in that, that wedding scene and that party scene. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, that's crazy. You, uh, here's an interesting fact, actually. So, uh, part of those 500 extras, a whole bunch of them were Asian American YouTube influencers there that they flew out. I like like some of Wang Fu Productions, the Fung Brothers were out there or whatnot, because they're like, we want you to be part of history. We think that this is going to be something big. And they're like, we want to, you know, John M. Chu said that um, these people who are on YouTube, who are putting in their own productions together, like Wang Fu Productions or whatnot, are the future of what Hollywood could be, you know, especially I, after the film. I think that's so smart and yeah. very... Um encompassing of just a lot of different personalities and, and artists yeah. alike. And that even translates to the music as yeah. well. I mean, we have Aquafina, who was big on YouTube. Also, Kina Granis. Yes. She she Love had her. a big start in her music career via YouTube. Yeah. She actually, Kina, if people don't know who she is, I listened to her years ago, too. So um, she actually turned down a, a label um, deal um, because she was getting more recognition and more success via YouTube. So we have a lot of different musicians and personalities also involved in this film. Yeah, the independent factor. Cut the middleman. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was interesting. Their their music choices 
for this film. Rick, I believe you have a little bit more information on just the the, the song Yellow by Coldplay. Well, I, as I was telling you guys, I always have the joke that the song Yellow from Coldplay is about someone turning Asian or someone appreciating someone that's Asian. <laughs> that's my joke. But then it is interesting to see, to read, that I guess John Schufer himself had a very negative connotation about the word yellow growing up until he listened to the Coldplay song and it made him appreciate, you know, because, like, obviously people sit there and say, like, oh, yeah, you're yellow, not in terms of, like, we're cowards, but of our, you know, because we're right. Asian. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's kind of derogatory. But he was trying to secure the rights and um, they kept, they got denied. So he wrote a personal letter to Coldplay saying this is the significance of why I want your song. Here are the sequences of where, where I would want to play it. If you guys want to talk about it, I would gladly do that for you. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, like, and he's, he even says it to this day. He's like, I'm still not sure, but it got approved. Right. And so, yeah, so that's what that's what you hear at the end of the movie is the, the remake cover of Yellow. Right. And they... they disapproved it in the beginning because uh, with Coldplay they've had issues where they felt like or people were saying that their, some of their songs were culturally appropriating right. Asian Americans mm-hmm. or Asian culture in general so I think when you think Crazy Rich Asians I think he was they were pretty scared to put such a what could be a problematic word in a title you know uh, to give them more backlash for that yeah. situation so, and that's, right. that hence probably the, he- yeah, the hesitation right. so. but with John M. Chu writing that letter to them I mean that you know I think that really sealed the deal for them Absolutely, and then they, we also had you know other notable songs like "Can't Help Falling in Love" mm-hmm. that was by Kina. Um, also, "Material Girl," which we know <laughs> it was so Madonna. good, it was such a good sequence in the movie. <laughs> that was yeah, that was a great sequence. Um, but obviously, it's like well-known songs in Asia, yeah. right? like in America, but also being represented by the Asian culture too. And he got a lot of Asian artists yeah. to cover and like he used their covers, big band and everything, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, op- we opened up with Catherine Ho, Yellow, and we yeah. actually wanted another uh, Asian star to do the song. I can't remember what her name is, but uh, but he got Catherine Ho, who was like I guess like on The Voice mm-hmm. to to do it instead. So it was yeah. amazing. I thought so it worked so well at the end of the movie. Yeah, soundtrack and song selection here was really really good. phenomenal, <laughs> yeah. phenomenal. But like that, that's also just the testament of John Chu knowing how important it is to mm. have all encompassing artists actors alike a right. part of this film he just wanted to bring everyone so and I love the choice that it was it was in you know the covers were in Asian mm-hmm. yeah. versus just getting the regular song playing can you imagine the fight he had to have with a studio and everything to make sure that all of these things that he really wanted went through because you can just imagine how like they're already taking a risk right and right. he wants to take more of a risk so executives are probably like, I don't know if we can even go through with this. But he fought and made it happen, which mm-hmm. is yeah. amazing. It just shows how much passion he and yeah. influence he, he really wanted this movie to have. Right. So good for him to mm-hmm. realize the importance and significance of what this film could do and will do right. um, for future generations of Asians. Um, let's get a little bit into the, the box office. So it opened up, number one. Ooh, yeah. Good job for them. <laughs> it was actually, it opened up more than what they thought. It was. I think they were projected to anywhere 25,000. 25, 25 million, million, but it actually opened up to 35 million. Yeah, over, so, over five days, over, but right. But they thought that, like, for a while, they were thinking that the Meg's numbers were going to, like, beat it out. And, but yeah. hey, our people came out to represent. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. And, like, just looking at the numbers, like, worldwide and everything like that, just to think about how the, the film cost 30 million to make, mm-hmm. right? 
So they've hit their mark already, and it's just that first week. Like, yeah, so much more to go. I'm I'm excited to see how it kind of progresses throughout. And that. I think they're already they're already yeah. saying that this weekend it's it'll still be number one. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And they because based on the the numbers that already did so well in the first week, mm-hmm. that WB it's not officially as of right now it's not officially greenlit for a second film, but it's already in the works and right. in the making for them to make the sequel mm-hmm. because it opened up so well. And there were there were other films on the line that were Asian American ask or Asian like uh, that were waiting in Hollywood in the wings for this to do well. You know, in other studios, not just Warner Brothers or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it really was dependent on this film to do well in the box office to show Hollywood executives to say, give that green light for that film, give them the budget and let's make it happen. You know, and, and, and we don't know the variety deadline. No one's said what films they are, but it's exciting to see in the next couple months what this film has done for those films. You know what I mean? Historically, yeah. at least. I mean, see, yeah. the, the, the small... It's not really disappointing because they're different types of films. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually alternative programming, but Searching is coming out this weekend. I'm so excited with yeah. John Cho, and it's yeah. about an all Korean family. Yeah, you know, done by an Asian director, um, Asian Indian director mm-hmm. like Anisha Ganti. So mm-hmm. I mean, so like they're yeah, so like theirs is coming out too, and I mean like I mean they're different types of movies. Like that's a specialty film yeah. by Screen Gems, but right. it's like I would have loved to have seen that one come out be number one as well. Yeah, for my own selfish reasons. But, but it's not a, it's not a coincidence that they're being released around the same time either. All right, or distributed right? because this 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 one's been around for a little bit already. It's been shown in Sundance or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. distribution deal. They've been slowly you know? like yeah, it's been like just like little hints in here and like I saw it at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific. Film oh, so Festival. you've seen it already? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Nice. Okay. It's amazing. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, oh, man, like, I want it so much for these guys. But it's just like, hey, this weekend, it's just going to be an all-Asian weekend anyway. Right. So. If this could still make, you know, make do in the box office when it hits worldwide, uh, what is it, on the 31st, I believe, is when it's coming out, like, all, all, all over, yeah. right? All over. I think it, it could do so well. Because there's, uh, with, with the height of the gold open or hashtag gold open mm-hmm. people behind crazy rich asians john m chu uh henry golding everybody is saying go watch searching it's searching. an amazing movie let's keep this rolling let's keep this going you know just to show like crazy rich asians isn't the only one you know yeah, yeah. And, and i think that's great because we do need more asian representation and that we have two back-to-back films with strong storylines, right. strong characters to follow, right. just in Hollywood alone, let alone the, the rest of the world, I think that's great. And it's just a slow, progressive movement right. that hopefully will blow up into something bigger something um, that we need. And also the great thing is, yes, we probably will see, mm-hmm. hopefully, a second and third movie for this because we know this this movie is based on a trilogy. Right. So there, there is... Because of so many characters and storylines, there are potentials, things to keep watching for the future. And also, this movie just has good ratings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, Rotten Tomatoes is 92, meter, and Audience is 93. That's an A. Right. Um, Cinema Score is an A. IMDb, 7.7 mm. out of 10. So mm. it's getting yeah, a good. A for Asian. Yeah. A for Asian. <laughs> it's so not only is it successfully already doing well at the box office, but it's just doing well in reviews right. alone. So that's mm-hmm. that's great. Right. Audience are gravitating towards this film. Audience loves it. Critics loves it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, we, I it's think they said, again. I mean, Nino, you said at the beginning of the the, the, the cast that like six. Normally, when people Asians go out to movies, it's like six percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this past weekend it was forty percent. Right. went out to mm-hmm. watch this. Look at Just, that. Yeah. So you know, we have we have that 
that buying power is there. If we see something that we're interested in, especially like we said, our older parents or whatnot, who who might not be into the same movies we are, but if they see something like this, they're like, I, I want to go to the movies. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's been my parents. It's been uh, last time I brought my parents to the movies. Uh, I we saw Jurassic Park, and they haven't been to the movies in like twenty plus years. My parents, my parents, like, <laughs> probably my parents. Wow. I want to say uh, maybe Titanic. Yeah, see. and my mom. I talked to my mom yesterday, and she was just like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to go see this. With with dad this weekend, yeah, and I brought them there to the theaters, and I was like, Good. "See, I was like, this." It, they're like, "Oh, the seats recline." I was like, "This is different now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know my parents. I'm like, Movie I know, going like, experience yeah. is so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's great because it is a family film. Yeah. It is a date night film. It it appeals to a lot of different masses, yeah. and that's just the brilliance of the storyline. Yeah. And I think it's great that forty percent—that's huge, yeah. huge. So it's not saying that like the the following is not there. It is. Exactly. You just have to cater to it. Exactly. And I mean, then, the, the only time that I ever saw a push like this, and, and it was different. It was different because it wasn't a, it wasn't necessarily a studio film because it was an acquisition. Was better, better luck, luck tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> where, yeah. where the yeah, Asians went out again in droves yeah. to support this, and of course, a lot of those guys like John Cho, Justin Lin have a career because of that. Yeah. Um, but. But like on this magnitude, something completely different. Where it's like a studio backed and the marketing right. push, and, and this was different so. too, exactly because it's like just like the John John M. Cho film and um, How Better Luck Tomorrow was. It, it was all put out in the indie circuit. These people put their money out on the line for it. Like the you know the director maxed out his credit cards, asked money from his family to make it all happen, yeah. and then they got the distribution deal afterwards. Good di- difference with Crazy Rich Asians. This was back from the beginning. Yeah, amazing. We need more. <laughs> we do need more. We're demanding for more. There you go, Marissa. So with the success <laughs> of this film, I'm glad that they did it. Um, it does open doors for a lot of, you know, future opportunities mm-hmm. for Definitely. us to watch. So last crazy thoughts of this film um, before we go. Uh, like, what's the importance of this film to you guys? I mean, just the. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just like that we have we have stories to tell and it's not doesn't always have to be like, you know, we talked about at the beginning. It doesn't have to be chop socky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be all subtitles. Right. It it doesn't have to be well then you need one Asian person, one white person. And we don't have to be the you know, I mean, as as uh, Alan Yang says is that, you know, like one of the worst characters ever to show up in American cinema was Long Duck Dong. Right, you know, like to like have a, like we don't we're not that character either. Right, and just he, to was, show us and he just, wasn't even really Asian. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So bad it's, right. Yeah, it just it just it's just to like just to show people it's like yeah, I mean, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Asian, Black, Latino, or Latinx. I guess you know or, you mm. know to set like there's so many cultures that have stories to tell. You just have to go find them and sit there and say like let's just make this with the people that are passionate about doing it. Yeah, and I, I mean. With this film in general, besides an amazing storyline, like I said, I think, like John and Chu said, it's a movement and it's it's an historic one because uh, of of just the, the the caliber of or or just the risk that Hollywood took mm-hmm. with this film to say, okay, we're going to try to see if this works and to make it happen. And now that it's successful or whatnot, we can move that transition over from TV being so diverse into film being so diverse, more projects being greenlit, knowing mm-hmm. that it, it not just an Asian American you know uh, um, culture or whatnot, but like to any type of minorities or people of color mm-hmm. on screen. You know, this this could be, you know, an all Latino cast, an all, you know, an all black cast, an all Asian cast. We can carry these films and that's been proven from Black Panther to Crazy Rich Asians to th- you know, all all in general. This film was so important to show and kind of like cap off that 
that that uh, scared feeling of if we put thirty million dollars on the line, are we going to get it back? You will. You will get it back. Give us more of a chance, and you'll see more of a success. Yeah. I completely agree with both of you, and I think this does open so many doors to more representation, more opportunities for actors mm-hmm. to shine. And it's just a good film with a good story, good cast, right. good, you know, strong star power that that really helps with this film. It's just a good, solid film all around, right. despite whatever race was being represented. And I think that's what we need. We, we need a movie to just enjoy, and we definitely enjoy this one. And it's exciting. I work in development. I host and I act, right? Mm-hmm. So now to be able to hopefully get this opportunity to maybe put out a storyline there later on that's that's relatable to me and, and people are going to back it up, that's exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what this film makes me excited about. I have an audition after this and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know? <laughs> or just to see what our, our opportunities are yeah. going forward. So. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm glad this movie came out because I definitely needed, me personally, needed a movie like this for my generation definitely. and your generation and like the following generations to right. come. So great job, John Chu yes. and everybody who was a part of this film. Thank you, Kevin Kwan, for even starting the story. Um, I definitely will see second and third one when it comes out. Yes, franchise. Let's go. When, like, not if, but when, <laughs> yeah, when. it comes it's, it's out a win, because yeah. it's it's definitely a win. In, it's a for in sure. That sense. Definitely. So, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having us for this conversation. Yeah. I mean, Asian representation here. We Let's definitely go. have our diversity. In the meantime, we're can everyone keep following you. Uh, you guys can find me on all social media at Rick Hong, R-I-C-K-H-O-N-G. And at After Buzz every Sunday night at 7 p.m. I cover everything that's Netflix called Netflix Picks. So you can also see me there. Awesome. Yeah, you can yeah. catch me. It's your boy Nino. You can catch me on Nino Lanera on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all that other stuff. Kina's on. Oh, my God. I'm shaking. Oh, I love this I love her. Yeah. Uh, you can catch me here at After Buzz every Thursday night for the MTV show Are You the One? We're on at 7-ish. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And you can follow me everywhere at Serafini TV, also at After Buzz TV. Uh, but we do Anatomy of a Movie every Friday. Um, dissecting all the greats and especially this one and we'll probably dissect the future films when yes. they come out yeah thanks so much for tuning in everybody and we will see you for our next dissection bye guys from producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire popcorn talk network we would like to thank you for tuning in for questions or comments be sure to visit popcorntalk.com i'm sir richard wentworth and this has been a presentation of the popcorn talk network The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.